0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for my podcasting hobby. As of this recording, I am 167 days sober, and today we are welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Scott.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here with you, Steve.
0: Yes, I'm very excited to get to share you with the listeners. So why don't you introduce yourself with who you are and all the good stuff?
1: Sure, thank you. Yeah, so I'm uh, 58 and I live in Toronto, beaches area of Toronto, and I work in the charitable sector and I too am in recovery and I have completed 169 days of continuous sobriety. So roughly five and a half months and I'm pretty excited about that. Excellent. I uh, I have pronouns that I use, which are he, they, and I'm really
0: happy to be here with you. Yes, I'm very happy happy to have you as well. Can you share with us a little bit more about what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like?
1: Absolutely. I, I was fortunate enough to come to AA 12 or so years ago, but prior to that, and just kind of leading up to the, the onset of the addiction, I you know I just kind of felt when I was younger and basically throughout my whole life that you know I've been kind of like a really sensitive, lonely, afraid, scared um, person, and I've experienced some some trauma in, in my childhood as well. And it's hard to know whether you know whether those experiences contribute or or don't contribute, um, and just even things like my gender and sexuality that you know maybe we we'll get into it as well is just you know, how, you know, how those impacted my um, journey into addiction and ultimately Alcoholics Anonymous. But in kind of my early days, I I was, I I got married and I'd been married for 30 years. I ended up having two children and, but I really, my life was just marked with this kind of fear and, and loneliness and sensitivity. And I ended up really just becoming, I think, a really selfish person and, and, and not a very trustworthy person. I just said, like, I lied throughout my whole life just to kind of protect myself, you know, and I think I started out um, becoming an alcoholic and addict from kind of the, the start of my drinking because I don't ever remember just having one drink. Um, I always felt like I wanted to have get drunk or not do it at all it was kind of all on or all off and things just got worse through through my 20s and 30s and into 40s where um, i was probably hospitalized almost 25 times as a direct result of 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 drugs and alcohol and and where i would actually have to go into the hospital they would put me under they would kind of restart my heart with the electrical paddles and then I would leave and I would get right back to it. And, and it really just showed me, or I, I came to learn, I guess, later, just the kind of powerlessness that I had over um, addiction and substances and primarily alcohol and and, and not, not being able to control it, having no kind of defense against it, proved itself time and time and time and time again. And eventually the writing was on the wall and something had to be be done and, and um and how how i ended up getting to aa is um a fellow alcoholic who i did not know um, came down to see me at my house because nothing had been able to to get me to stop this is just seemed to be a progressive disease it got worse every year and you know it just got to the point where my health was was absolutely a mess i mean i lived on a sort of hilly street and i could not walk up the hill without stopping two or three times just to catch my breath and I was a formerly an athlete at the university level. My relationships with work and with my family were put under tremendous strain and stress because I just was lying and drinking and recovering and not present and just not a good partner or person to be with. And then I just, I had a lot of other stuff going on just with my throughout, throughout you know, my, my life with, you know, with my gender and sexuality and, and, you know, I'd had as a teenager a sexual relationship with a teacher I had been um, molested by a neighbor and then kind of for, for many years like I thought those experiences were the molestation was but the, the other sexual relationship with the male male teacher I thought it was wrong or bad or somehow I was I felt guilty and ashamed and it, it took a long time to figure out that that I actually wasn't in fact, I, I like that experience, but, um, you know, just a lot went on to lead up to me getting to Alcoholics Anonymous, but I really wanted to highlight just that point that nothing worked like the, all the promises I made to myself and everybody else just never worked. And it was only when a fellow alcoholic came and talked to me, um, just kind of like it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that I, that I heard it and, I agreed to go to a rehab facility, which I did. And I got a lot of information and I got out and I relapsed within two days. And, but then I went to an AA meeting and again, this person hooked me up with another alcoholic who was in the beaches area Toronto where I live. And he took me um, sweating and stressed, and freaking out to my first meeting where I basically wanted to sit in the back row by the door and be able to run the second I got there because it was scary and I knew I needed to stop. And I know they say the only um, thing you need is a desire to stop drinking. And I didn't know whether I wanted to stop just to get out of trouble and get off these consequences or whether I wanted to stop really for me at the time. And and it probably became clear that I I wasn't clear on that. And and therefore I didn't have any success. So I, I came to AA, I got a sponsor. Who I lied to, who I didn't call, and you know I didn't do the steps, and I didn't help anybody, and I didn't do service, and I was accused of loitering with the attempt to get sober. I <laughs> <laughs> was pretty true actually. But an interesting thing happened, which I really want to share with your listeners, which is that just the insidious nature of addiction in general is that I was drinking, and using drugs, and I actually stopped for for six years. The another addiction popped up literally a month after I, I stopped those two things, and. And, you know, I, I was pretty proud of myself for stopping those two things, even though I didn't really do anything in, the, in AA in the program. And, and the reason is I was still an addict because I was acting out, I, I began began, uh, began gambling and I gambled through that six year period. So I really wasn't sober at all. And one day, like I just sort of did some quick math with these poker accounts I was playing. And, and it too is like alcohol and drugs, which is progressive, meaning it ends up being worse and worse and worse and never better over time and I lost a lot of money a lot of money and I the day I figured out how much money I' lost I stopped playing poker and was proud of myself and a month later I started drinking again and um, I've heard it be referred to as kind of that whack-a-mole syndrome of addiction where you push one down and another one pops up and that's just because I, I didn't have any solution I didn't have any I had nothing to replace these things that I was grabbing to try and make myself feel better. And it really was about just trying to feel better, but ultimately it always made me feel worse. And then, so this, that kind of, this last six year period, I've um, continued to isolate. I continued to hide alcohol from my family. I continued to lie. I continued to go to the hospital to have my heart restarted. started. Then eventually I was asked to leave the house a year and 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 a bit ago in order to get sober. And I tried to do that and I, was sober um yeah it was just and it, and it was difficult and i didn't do anything in, in alcoholics anonymous until fairly recently i guess till 169 days ago um when i came to some meetings in new york on zoom and uh, some meetings in toronto and um and i needed to because i i you know, by February, March, April of this year, I was into it really badly and really, you know, almost died and, and wanted to die, and and that's such a sad, you know, place to be for any person is to feel hopeless. And 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 I understand now that, that Alcoholics Anonymous we're in the hope we're in the hope business. You know, we give people hope and. The program and the people and, and I needed it because I felt hopeless and I felt powerless and I knew I was. Um, and so yeah, I, I five and a half months ago I, I came to um, this fabulous LGBTQ plus meeting in, in New York where we met and I also do another New York meeting and I do some Toronto meetings and it's been really cool for me on a couple of fronts because I really came to understand my gender and sexuality over this period of time being out of the out of the home yeah i just kind of understand um more that i am non-binary and that the type of sex that i want to have is not what i had in a in a marriage to a female for 30 years and i knew something was wrong and and this last year has, has been really scary, but amazing for me to, to just discover more about myself. Just, yeah, really just so excited that there are LGBTQ plus meetings for us to go to because it has just made me feel really connected and, and really that I'm in the right place and that I um, belong and that I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. And I just, yeah, I'm just really grateful for, for that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the journey. And then, you know, I, I, but I did finally do things in AA, which, you know, we could talk about now or later, <laughs> but there are things that I do now that have helped me with my sobriety. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, what are some of those things that help you stay sober?
1: Well, the one, so first off, I go to meetings every day. I, I go to two, sometimes three meetings a day. I go to these same ones like every day I mean I missed the odd one but I mean frankly I go pretty much every day and I got a sponsor right away and I said look I want to do whatever it is that I need to do to get better like this person was happy he has really bad health but he's like the happiest person I know and he said oh well then there's this program that suggested but then there's some of these steps that are kind of mandatory and if you want to get the solution that I and others have, because "When 31 years sober and happy, then we'll we'll work these steps together. And I said, let's do it. And so five and a half months later, I've worked my way through the steps. I'm on step 11 and 12, um, but I was able to do fourth step inventory. I was able to do amends to people that I've harmed in the past. I go, as I say, to meetings every day. I call my sponsor every day. I talk to three or four people or text three or four people every day that are in the program. I try and be honest. With every person that I meet. I try and do service if I'm asked to do it. I will always help another alcoholic or anyone really if, if they if they ask or need it. And the interesting thing is in these last five and a half months, I I haven't drunk, I haven't used drugs, I haven't gambled, I haven't been to the hospital to have my heart restarted, you know. And and so just those are kind of to 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 summarize kind of the things I do every day, that's what I have to do because it... Is recovery is, is the priority in my life because nothing else good for me will happen if, if I don't um, if I don't make it my
0: priority. Yeah, I, mean, I know what you mean by that. My sponsor was telling me the other, the other night how, you know, you have to put as much into your recovery as you did in your drinking. And like, you know, there were nights where I was like, oh, do I want to go to a meeting or do I not? And then it's like, if it was a drink, and I had that option of do I want to have a drink or not, I would always choose yes. So I need to always choose yes for the the recovery as well. Now, what would you say with all of those things that you've been doing have been some of the positive changes you've seen in your life? Now that you're, I
1: think the thing that comes off the top of my head is 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 health. Like just to feel good when I get up in the morning, like just to wake up and not have like the the terror, the 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 feeling of like, oh my goodness, what did I do? And just having my health to be able to. Just to, uh, to eat healthy, to like walk many hours during the day, to be able to sleep properly again, to really embrace my gender and sexuality in a way that I don't think I would have. Having relationships again with with my daughter and my and my ex wife. Now we are almost divorced um, and really good friends, and, and uh, I love her, but I know that. Again, kind of just with my gender sexuality, she would not be the right partner for me you know, going forward. So I have a beautiful 30-year experience with my her and my daughters to some degree. And then I think my future will be um, more aligned with who I am and, and the, just the things that I, I would like to do in that area. And, you know, I've had, I, I lost my job just after I got sober but I've had job offers, people want me to come and work for them. So that's been a benefit of, um, of, of being sober. And there's a page and a half in the big book about like these promises that we are promised that will come to us if we can kind of just hang in there and say, get sober. And they're pretty outrageous, but, So many people are experiencing, and I'm I'm experiencing some of those. And just to have, like, connection with people again, because I was, like, addiction makes us, makes me lonely and isolated. And I'm not afraid now to call and text people and actually tell them, like, the truth and be vulnerable. And, like, I have so many, I have a really handful of amazing AA friends i know a lot of aa people yeah and i just like a sense of peace i think i just told my sponsor today that i don't think i've been like upset or frustrated or mad or angry and uh, i would you know get frustrated driving the car or walking across the street or in the grocery store people cutting whatever it was like little things in life that we really are are just little things (laughs) but they would get to me and nothing seems to get to me now and I think that's a direct result of this and just turning it over and not trying to like run the whole world anymore. So I think, I mean, there's just some incredible benefits to um, that I've experienced being sober.
0: Yeah, that sounds incredible. I am not there yet. I'm a little further behind on the step work. My sponsor has been varying. Uh, okay with the fact that we're working on a slow on a slow recovery, not a speedy one. And so with that, though, I still I still do get frustrated at times at people. But like at least then I, I like I, I'm aware of it now in a way I wasn't before, where I can stop myself, say the serenity prayer, and then I feel better. But I love the parts where like I can drive to work without like grabbing this the steering wheel with like my oh, both hands, really angry once because that's when the New Yorker comes out in me. <laughs>
1: Well, and, and fairness, too, I mean, I, I got a dry run 12 years ago when I came in and didn't do anything and got no benefit from this beautiful program. And so I now know that I have to do something for, in order for it to work. And, and so, I, I mean, I just had the luxury of having had that first experience. Yeah. Um, but it was a painful experience because it left me not sober for 12 years.
0: Now with all these great things that have been coming since getting sober, what are some of the biggest obstacles you faced in your sobriety and how did you overcome them?
1: Yeah. It's like, it's not always easy. I'm making it sound like you do these steps and you chat with people and you go to some meetings and everything's so would be beautiful. And, um, you know, it's not like, as I said, I lost my job. I, I have had some mental health issues. Like I really, I've never lived alone in my life. And, and, you know, these last five and a half months I've been living by on my own and, I had to make that distinction between living alone and actually being alone because I'm, I'm not alone because there are so many beautiful people in my life that love me and care about me and are here for me and have talked to me every single day for for months and months, you know. And in the beginning, it was just hard; like I cried all the time. You know, some days are good and some days are bad, and and I had to learn that that's okay too. Like another another person in the program just kind of said. Like I would have this kind of what I call this liar in my brain that tell, would tell me everything is bad like I'm never gonna need a person to be with and I'm never gonna get a job and I'm never I'm gonna have to move out of my place and you know on and on all these things that were just not true and he said to me time cures all of these thoughts and feelings and I thought about that for a second and it's true like it like I almost had he he, he also told me that i have to just let these thoughts and feelings look like walk by like a parade and i'm just on the side sidewalk watching it go by and don't like i don't have to jump in to the band and onto the float and like get involved in in these negative thoughts and feelings and so you know that's really yeah that's been really helpful but uh i've i've spoken to you know got some outside help with just kind of some of these feelings that were overwhelming me for a little bit and i and i do feel a little bit better now and i also shared it with people in in the program and, and you know, because there's just so many people I love and trust here, and I I'm okay. So ultimately, just knowing that it's not going to be um, easygoing every day, and and I now understand that, and and I try not to get um, myself bent out of shape if, if if I'm having a day where you know my my feelings and emotions are are sort of overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, and I I know that you know. Early in sobriety or when you're kind of on that line and sober curious can be some of the, the hardest times to get through. I mean, what would be one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's either sober curious or newly sober?
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's such a good uh, question to ask. I would say, don't be afraid. Don't take the first drink or drug. Don't be afraid because we like, like go to 90 meetings in 90 days so many people say that get phone numbers from people in these in, in the meetings. Just make connections and tell 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 us how you're feeling because we will we care about you and we will we will be there for you, um, and that you are not alone. It, it is like every single time I log on to a meeting on Zoom, and eventually when I go to live meetings, but my experience just going to the meeting and I see the faces of the people that I've gotten to know over these five and a half months, I feel better 100% of the time. And that's what I would tell a newcomer is that you don't have to be afraid.
0: Yeah. And, you know, in these meetings, and we really certainly as addicts love our steps, traditions, and sayings, do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you live by?
1: Wow. That's a good one because there are a lot. Okay. I'll give you a couple. one, is the title of a chapter in the big book and it is called there is a solution Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can all speak of which is reaching for something that is a temporary solution that is not healthy for us and we all know how to do that and we've done that and every time i read there is a solution it's like oh yes that that is like that's where the hope comes from and the other thing is that i've read and heard so many times but i finally like like i finally just got and that is God could and would if God were saw it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and, and not being a religious person and not really going to formal church or any of that kind of stuff. God was always a tricky thought concept idea, which I still don't understand. And that doesn't matter that I don't understand um, God or higher power or, or what that is other than I know that I need to turn things over to my higher power every day in order for this to work. And for me to have a spiritual experience that will remove the obsession to drink. But yeah, God could, would if God ever saw it, um, and just having read it so many times and not really understanding it, I do understand it now, which is that my self-centered, self-seeking, lying ways um, had to stop. And I had to do something different in order to get a better, a different result for my life, which was basically, you know, jail institution or death were my other options and so god of my not understanding sure okay i'll take that i'll take that door versus jails institution and death Um, because i've almost died i've wanted to die i've been an institution and those are not places that i want to go back to
0: yeah and i i appreciate that so much with you being so honest and vulnerable but also just like stressing the whole if God were sought was just interesting for me. Cause I was so self-centered when I came into these rooms that I was convinced the way that I read that was like, if God chose to like seek you out and like not the other way around. And someone in one meeting, like mentioned, like they were like the first time I read it, I thought it's that way. And I was like, what, that's not how it means. And it's something that I read regularly, like sometimes daily. And I didn't even really understand how, it, what that meant the first time either. And once you have that realization, though, it, it really is a game. So, thank you so much, Scott, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Do you have any last words for our listeners? No, I
1: just I'm really grateful to have had this opportunity to share some of my experiences, and um, I would just reiterate to any newcomer, whether it's newcomer to the queer community like <laughs> I am, or yeah. whether it's a newcomer to to AA, is, is to not be afraid. And there are just fabulous, beautiful people that um, are here to help us.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, if you're interested in sharing your story like Scott here, getting involved with the show or just saying hi and giving some feedback, please email me at gayapodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. Make sure you follow us wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes when they come out every Monday and Thursday. And in between, you can follow me on Instagram at gay, podcast, where I will post a couple times a week in between episode launches, either something uplifting or just something interesting or sobriety related. And until that time, stay sober, friends.